You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Look the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the word! I ain't that sick! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons, and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry, baseball, NFL, basketball, and college football. College football stats, the hardest to find in the industry right now. Just not a lot of people pay attention to them, and they do. They have some of the best. If you follow me on Twitter and you see any of the stuff that I post about college football prospects and or teams, players, everything, it all comes from their website. The best stats, I'm telling you, college football-wise. And you can get their membership for just $15 a year. I'm telling you, that's one of the best deals in the industry. And if you use our code, round table you will get 10% off of that if you want to dive deep into the stat side of the industry that is the way to go telling you you will not be disappointed at all they are constantly reinventing their website player profiles looking even better and crisper now than they were in the past great website user friendly and again some of the best stats use our code round table you'll get 10% off $15 I'm telling you best deal in the industry With that being said, Matt is with me. He will be jumping on here in just a second. We're going to break down a ton of the games from Sunday and the Thursday Night Football podcast as well, uh, since we were not able to do a Friday podcast, me and Dennis. So let's jump Matt in here. Let's break down a bunch of those games and talk about Week 12. Hello! 
And as always on Mondays, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox with us. Matt, how was your weekend? How did, how did everything turn out for you and for your fantasy teams? Well, much like uh, me waiting for the Denver Broncos to actually show up for Week 12, I'm still waiting for my fantasy teams to show up. Uh, Amari Cooper, all the talent in the world, really appreciated that zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I posted something, uh, or I retweeted something on Twitter about that yesterday with Amari uh, Cooper on, on the wide receivers that Stefan Gilmore has gone up against this year and just how bad it is. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone. So the best, so yeah, Juju and I guess really John Brown. Juju 6 for 78, John Brown 5 for 69, and then Preston Williams of all players on the on the Dolphins before he got hurt, obviously 63 for four catches, but then Odell, 52 for five. McLaurin, 51 yards on three catches. Marquise Brown, 48 yards on three catches. Jordan Matthews, six yards on one catch. And then Amari Cooper with the shutout. Uh, was just, uh, I mean, amazing. But in, in fairness to that, I mean, we have talked about that multiple times leading up to these past couple weeks that a Cooper was definitely going to have some rougher matchups last week, this week, uh, and even next week too, or, or this Thursday actually. In just a couple days, he goes up against the, the Buffalo Bills and likely Tredavious White, who has been a lockdown corner most of the year as well. So it's likely not going to be much better for Cooper owners. But I feel you on the fantasy side. This has just not been my year. I think uh, so. I'm, I mean, many of you know, and you know, I'm in I'm in 38 leagues. As of today, I'm eliminated in like 20 of them. So, uh, and I there's a couple of them that even though I have a chance, I think it's six of them I have a chance in. There, it's a very slim chance that I make the playoffs. So it is. It has not been a fun year for me either. I cannot uh, begin to explain how frustrating this whole season has been. It's probably my fault too because I, I tend to buy into a lot of the same players. Uh, when I and all, a lot of these teams, I have a, a few of the same main characters here, main players, and they've really kind of let me down. Uh, which which just sucks, but you know it is what it is. I guess that's what to, I guess the fun part of looking toward next year, if there is a fun part in doing that, is I'm already getting to start that pretty early this season. Yeah, it can't be any worse, right? Yeah, that is true. I mean, I, I, mix, I guess that's the best way to look at it. Uh, let's see. So we did not do a, a Friday podcast due to some scheduling uh, conflicts with me and Dennis and then my kids being sick, which has kind of led to to just a, another part of my wonderful weekend. So we will recap the Thursday night game on here as well, and then me and Matt will jump in. We're going to do all of the early games. There was a huge slate of early games on Sunday. We're going to recap all those, save the two afternoon games and the night game and Monday night football game for tomorrow's podcast. So let's jump in and break down all of of the early games and Thursday night game from week 11. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can so we will start off with that Thursday night game, which uh, really wasn't uh, as good of a game as I had hoped it would be. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it on the Thursday podcast with Tony uh, and what he hoped the Colts would be able to pull off a win. They were not still a close game, but they lose 17-20 in this one. 
Jacoby Brissett goes 16 to 25, 125 yards, does get a rushing touchdown with 20 yards as well. Jonathan Williams does come through for you big time, 104 yards, one touchdown on 26 carries. Does get you 17 yards in the receiving game. Brissett comes in at QB 16 with 13.2 points. Williams RB5 with 19.6 points. Hines RB26 with 7.1 points. Uh, 51 yards on 9 carries. Does add 10 yards on 2 catches. And then T.Y. Hilton plays a little bit but not much in this one. Comes in at wide receiver 61 with 3.3 points. Hilton was on somewhat of a, a snap count, pitch count, whatever you want to call it, in that game. So did come out, give a little bit, but uh, he was advised by his doctors to not play the entire game, and he didn't. Eric Ebron comes in at tight end 9 with 6.4 points, 44 yards on 4 catches. Jack Doyle, 28 yards on 3 catches. We did see that Ebron got hurt, and he is done for the year. It came out earlier today that he is getting put on IR. So is Jack Doyle a, a, a tight end worth starting now moving forward, knowing he He's going to get the full workload here at the tight end position. I mean, I, I think as much as uh, several of the guys at that position, um, it's been a tough position. I have more have questions about the Colts passing game in general, um, which we've seen for a couple weeks now has been a struggle. Uh, you know, obviously Eric Ebron said surgery on both ankles. So um, that sounds unpleasant uh Doyle has been a good tight end for the Colts in the past only four targets in this game Ebron really only five targets uh they don't have a ton of great receivers um besides Hilton who's obviously still struggling with his own injuries but I I have some concerns about their their passing game in general. This is a few games in a row now where they haven't done much in the way of passing. They're really relying on the run. And I know one of the people post game uh, for Fox was talking about the fact that it was kind of curious to them that, uh, you know, Houston has a better rush defense than a pass defense. And yet in the core parts of the game, they were continuing to try to pound it on the ground, unable to really get anything going in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be something of a concern as they finish out this schedule and go try to make a run at the postseason. You know, the Titans are are not going away, and I believe those two teams play next week. Um, that could be a real swinger uh, of a game, um, especially having lost to the Texans. You know, the Texans take that lead in the the AFC South, so kind of a precarious position for the Colts. Doyle's a guy, you know. I, a lot of people have been starting him anyway. I don't think that his odds get any worse. I don't know how much better they get. Yeah, so the the Colts do get the Titans this week, uh, while the the Texans get the Patriots, and then they play the Titans uh, twice leading out the rest of the season. In two more weeks, they get their first matchup, and then Week 17 as well. So that could, uh, obviously for fantasy, that Week 17 matchup isn't going to matter much, but that could be a big matchup not just for for the Texans but for the Titans as well and what has become a really tight race here in the AFC wildcard spot at least that second spot 
as even though Buffalo is only three games up with us getting as late as we are into the season, I feel like they're pretty secure in keeping that top spot um, uh, for the wild card there in the AFC. On the Texans side, Deshaun Watson, 19-30, 298 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Does get 10 yards on the ground. To come in at QB 10 with 19.9 points, Carlos Hyde, RB 29 with 6.7 points, just 67 yards on 16 Rushes Duke Johnson, 22 yards on five carries, does add eight yards on one catch. DeAndre Hopkins has a huge game here, though. 140 yards, I'm sorry, 94 yards, two touchdowns on six catches. To come in at wide receiver four with 24.4 points, Will Fuller in his first game back. Uh, Healthy comes in as a top 10 wide receiver, wide receiver 10 with 17.5 points, 140 yards on seven catches. So I've, uh, I've kind of been on the train that when Fuller is out, Hopkins tends to have his best games mostly because the 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 field is just funneled through him because he is by far their best receiver. Will Fuller comes out and and why not by a lot? He still he out targets Hopkins here eleven to eight. I think for me, once Will Fuller is out on the field, if we know he's going to be out there, regardless of the injury history, you have to play him because uh, he is just so dynamic. And we have seen that him and Watson have this great connection. Uh, so knowing that we're about to jump into Week 13, this is it. This is If you have not secured a playoff spot and you need a win this week, it's nut-cutting time. You have to play your best lineup. Is there anybody on this team outside of the big three guys, Watson, Hopkins, and Fuller, that you are willing to throw in your lineup, knowing they're going up against the New England Patriots? No. Um, you know, and I think you're even moderating your expectations on Hopkins, who is going to draw uh, Stephon Gilmore. Hopkins, obviously, an incredible receiver. You're not sitting him, but right. um, we've seen good receivers struggle. Uh, could be a better day for Will Fuller. And I think, you know, we talked about this before. Duke Johnson seemed to pick up there for a while. It seemed like when Fuller goes out, Duke Johnson assumes some of that receiving role. You see Fuller come back and Johnson immediately becomes unusable again. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do enough rushing wise. You can't count on either of these running backs getting a goal line touchdown because Watson also, we've seen, is a quarterback that's not afraid to put it in himself. So Hyde is a, a really desperate um, flex because of volume, but Johnson, I think, becomes unplayable. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, and Hyde, as you just said, is, is extremely an extremely desperate flex as well. I don't – there's just no way I could trust him, especially this week maybe – in the playoffs, they have a couple, or I think it's just really one more nice matchup. Outside of that, um, Hopkins, as you said, you have to start him just because he is. you draft him as your wide receiver one. You have to limit expectations this week. But outside of those three, I'm with you. I, I do not feel comfortable starting anybody. Next up, we got the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. The Giants losing this one 14-19. Daniel Jones goes 21-36, 151 yards and two touchdowns. To come in at QB 12 with 16.7 points, Saquon Barkley has a rough day in this one. RB 27 with just 7 points, seven, uh, 59 yards on 17 carries, uh, just 1 yard on 2 catches. Just a just a really bad day for Barkley, who's, who's had a really weird year as well. Golden Tate comes in at wide receiver 23 with 10.8 points, 33 yards and a touchdown on 3 catches. Darius Slayton, 67 yards on 4 catches to come in at wide receiver 30 with 8.7 points. We still... Uh, Sterling Shepard returned back to the lineup. He gets you 15 yards on five catches to come in at wide receiver 42 with 6.2 points. I really don't feel like you're starting, at least for me, anybody on this team outside of maybe Tate 
as a low-end flex option. I need to see more out of Shepard than this being his first game back, especially with this, again, we talked about going into Week 13 now. You, you need to play your best players. With that being said, do you disagree with that? And are you worried at Barkley? Because as someone who are worried about Barkley, as someone who owns him, uh, he has just not looked the same this year. I'm hoping it's just the ankle issue. But outside of a couple games at the beginning of the season, he has not looked like the Saquon Barkley we fell in love with last year. Yeah, uh, and their line is not very good, um, which is certainly part of the problem. But uh, he has not been reliable. Now you're coming into week 13, a crucial week. They're home, but they're facing the Packers. Not a great matchup. And then next week, which is the first week of the playoffs for most, they're facing the Eagles, which, you know, Seattle managed to find some running room with Rashad Penny yesterday, but most people have not been able to run against the Eagles. So I think that's a real grim sign. Even in what should have been decent matchups, we haven't seen a ton from Barkley. He just doesn't look like he's got quite the same pop. He brushed off this last week any implication that he was not healthy and that they should shut him down for the season. Something doesn't look right. Yeah, I think, in all honesty, too, some of it is, I think, a lot of those wide receivers. Last year, we saw really most of his production came from what we're seeing out of Christian McCaffrey this year uh, in Carolina with Kyle Allen and all the dump-off passes that he's getting. He's just not getting that this year. A lot of those stuff is going to Tate or, well, Shepard just now coming back, but Tate or Slayton. Daniel Jones is taking more shots down the field than we saw out of Eli, so that may be some of it as well. Add in, as you just talked about, the really bad line. He's not getting you that rushing production. And when you lose that receiving production that he had last year, he is unfortunately just not quite the same player we saw last year. Hopefully that'll change for him. I do think the ankle issue does have some to do with it, but it's uh, obviously not fun. Uh, not fun times looking forward if you are a Saquon Barkley owner. Uh, speaking of not fun times, if you're a Bear, really any player, you own any of the players on the Bears outside of Allen Robinson, you are not having a fun season as well. Mitch Trubisky does have a good game, and this one comes in at QB8 with 20.9 points in this one. 25 of 41, 278, one touchdown, two interceptions, does add a rushing touchdown as well. Tariq Cohen is the running back of note here. 25 yards on six carries and adds 19, uh, 29 yards, I'm sorry, on seven catches. Two come in at RB20 with 8.9 points. Allen Robinson, though, continues to be the best player on the team. Wide receiver five with 22.1 points. Uh, six catches, 131 yards, and one touchdown. Anthony Miller, 77 yards and six on six catches, do come in at wide receiver 24 with 10.7 points. And David Montgomery. Just 22 yards on 13 carries, two catches for nine yards. So he is he has clearly moved his way out of your lineups. If you had had him, he's I'm someone who's owned him in a lot of leagues. He has firmly found a spot on the bench for me. I think really outside of Allen Robinson, there is no one on this team that you can play. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, they have a big Thanksgiving Day game against the Lions. The Lions have not been very good against the rush or the pass, but usually they get somewhat of a bump at home on Thanksgiving Day. Both those teams kind of out of the playoff hunt. Yeah. Allen Robinson's probably the only one you're feeling good about, but if David Montgomery was going to, to pick it up, that would probably be a more opportune matchup. Yeah, the Lions are one of the worst teams against the run right now, so this could be a possible David Montgomery bounce-back game. But, man, I think you've got to 
you've got to have a lot of balls to play him after what you've seen a couple after, out of the past couple of weeks. So if you do and he goes off, much power to you. For me, he, he's firmly planted on my bench for the rest of this season, which I'm also going to say I saw a lot of people pointing out on Twitter that he might be one of the biggest recent rookie busts, and I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how bad Rashad Penny was the past couple of years, who was a first-round pick, and Ronald Jones, who was a much higher second-round pick. Uh, I really think uh, if you look at the Eagles and see the success that Jordan Howard is having, I hate to say this because I do think Matt Nagy is a good coach. I would say that the reason Jordan Howard is struggling, or not Jordan Howard, I'm sorry, David Montgomery is struggling is more due to Matt Nagy and the coaching decisions going on there than necessarily the talent because, uh, like I said, Jordan Howard looked like he was uh, one of the worst running backs in the league last year with the Bears, and he has definitely turned it around with this Philadelphia team, which are using but, I mean, multiple backs. All of all of Chicago has regressed well, incredibly. Mitch yeah. Trubisky's looked lost. Tariq Cohen looks like nobody knows how to use him. None of their receivers. Gabriel occasionally does things. Anthony Miller, him catching six for 77, most people have left him for dead. I mean, there's something wrong fundamentally with Chicago's game plan, oh, and yeah. it's impacting all of those guys. Yeah, I think the only player, and I think we've actually talked about this before, is is Allen Robinson and, and how bad you have, at least for me personally, and I'm pretty sure you were the one who brought it up, how bad you feel for him because of how good yeah. he has looked with a quarterback that has not been that good. And then he had Blake Bortles before that. Like, it, Imagine how good Allen Robinson could be if he had a competent quarterback back there. It's ridiculous the numbers that he is putting up with having what QB, what, what, uh, what Mitch Trubisky has done this year at QB because it has not been great. Speaking of uh, QBs uh, here, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Baker Mayfield kind of start dueling each other a little bit in a game that, that ended up, it was not as bad, I think, as, as the final score indicates in 41-24. The Dolphins, while necessarily weren't in it for the most part in the first half, did actually have a pretty good second half here. Ryan Fitzpatrick bouncing back pretty nicely after two picks. Uh, does get two touchdowns, 214 yards, 21-39. Uh, has a, a fairly decent day here. Doubt you're starting him, but does come in at QB4 with 25.1 points. Kalen Balaj leads the running backs here. 13 yards on seven carries. Uh, doesn't really do anything in the receiving game. Just one catch for 13 yards. Comes in at running back 45 with 3.1 points. Allen Hearns and Devontae Parker come in at the wide receiver position, though both finishing at wide receiver twos. Parker, 91 yards on six catches. Allen Hearns, 42 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Hearns, wide receiver 17 with 12.2 points. Parker, wide receiver 18 with 12.1 points. And then Mike Gusecki at tight end has a decent day here, uh, which was good because it looked like he might be knocked out in uh, – Early in that game with an injury, kind of had a Browns player fall back on him, looked like he hurt his knee. Comes in at tight end, four with 10.3 points, 28 yards, three catches, one touchdown. For the Dolphins, I mean, I really don't think you can start anyone on this team outside of Devontae Parker. Uh, you know, I'll give it to John Hamler's, a guy who writes for the FLA blog. We had him on with us earlier in the offseason. He was hyping up the Parker train, had that thing running and gunning down the tracks, and he has really made him look good uh, this year with what Parker has done. I think he's firmly moved into that flex spot, possibly wide receiver two or three, depending on your team construction. But what about Gasecki? And I, I feel like he might fall in that category with Doyle that we were just talking about at tight end. Uh, would you feel comfortable plugging him in at tight end every week? Because he seems to be getting a lot of targets, and, and as bad as the tight end landscape is, might be someone worthy of throwing in. 
Uh, I don't know if I'm as, as confident uh, in him. I like I'd rather have Doyle uh, okay. of the, the two you talked about there. Um, I think we've seen a better track record. It's really hard to tell what the Dolphins are going to do. They do have in terms of passing matchups a decent matchup in Week 13. They're playing the Eagles. Um, you know, you're not playing any of their running backs anyway. So, yeah. uh, you know, pass that weapons. I still think Alan Hearns is somebody that you might want to, to stash. They obviously just gave him a contract extension. It seems like he's become more of a focal point of late, um, getting quite a few targets, and he, he's turning them into something. I don't know if it's a guy you're going to want to play this year, but especially if you're in a dynasty league, maybe somebody to hang on to, because we don't know what's going to happen with Parker. Yeah, He's on the last year of his rookie deal. Um, you know, Has he played well enough that they're going to decide to invest in him? Miami obviously has money, and they're going to have draft picks. Alan Hearns, they've already obviously seen enough that they want to keep him, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think out of the the way that the seasons have been going. Now, Alan Hearns, I, I guess you could say he's had a more productive career so far than what Devontae Parker has done. So really, this has been the only year Parker has been productive, but I would think that they would uh, invest in him. But we'll see. It's a completely new regime there when it comes to the front office and coaches and everything from the team that, that drafted Devontae Parker. So whether he stays with them or not, I feel like he's he's earned a, a decent paycheck somewhere. I think he'll get paid as a probably middle to low tier wide receiver too in the NFL. We'll see if he goes to a different team. The Cleveland Browns uh, win their third game in a row, and we finally saw the offense we we've been hoping I think to have to have seen the whole season. They they really put together a really good game here. Baker twenty four thirty four three hundred twenty seven yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Comes in at QB five with twenty four point six points. Nick Chubb running back four with twenty three point nine points, one hundred and six yards, one touchdown on twenty one carries. Kareem Hunt gets a touchdown as well on eight carries and thirty seven yards. Does add nine yards on two catches. Chubb adds 58 yards on three catches. Hunt, RB17 with 10.6 points. Jarvis Landry continues to be the best wide receiver on the team. Comes in at wide receiver two this week with 31.8 points, 148 yards, two touchdowns on 10 catches. And then Odell Beckham Jr. gets into the end zone again for the first time since week two. One touchdown, 84 yards on six catches. Coming in at wide receiver 11 with 17.4 points. So, Odell's first week since week two as a top 12 wide receiver option for fantasy. But I think it's really moved to Jarvis Landry being the one for fantasy reasons on this offense. And I think a lot of that comes from something we've talked about before. And Odell is getting by far the better matchups. And Baker, it seems like, has decided he's not going to force him the ball anymore. And he is going to look to to Landry. Landry played with them last year. They have a little bit of a connection. Uh, You can definitely see it if you watch the games as I do every Sunday. When Baker starts moving around out of the pocket, Odell doesn't necessarily seem to break off his route and come back to Baker like Jarvis does every time. I think some of that is just the chemistry of them playing all season last year and now obviously having this one as well. So I don't mean this in a way that Landry is better than Odell, but with the recent performances we've seen really for the past five, six weeks now of Landry as he moved as the better fantasy option for the Browns over Odell for this season. I think so, probably uh, for a lot of the reasons you talked about that they're, uh, Baker and Odell are starting to build a little more chemistry. Uh, a lot was made of the fact they didn't 
play that, you know, they didn't work that much together in the off season. They didn't play that much in, together in the preseason. So it's been a lot of figuring each other out that combined with a pretty hideous schedule at the beginning, yeah. I think set them behind. Um, I think you'll see that probably continue to grow down the stretch, but he already has that with Landry. He and Landry had something going a lot at the end of last year and have been able to carry that over. Uh, and, you know, Landry's not drawing the same kind of coverage Beckham is. And with uh, a running game that's as robust as what they have, they can't just sit back there on all the passing weapons. If somebody's going to have an opportunity, and so far that seems to be Landry. I would say, though, you know, I think they have five people that you're considering playing and starting on a weekly basis. I would put Mayfield back up there because of the schedule and because he seems to have balanced out. Chubb, Hunt have both looked useful. Landry and Beckham have both looked usable. I'm still a little nervous about week 13, not because I think the Steelers are great, but because who knows what kind of physicality and tone that game is going to have after what we saw uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm, as a Browns fan, I'm worried about that as well. Obviously, everybody is talking about that. I was listening to some stuff on the radio this morning, and that's what they were talking about. It was they were talking, they were going over all the games, and they were like, you know what? We don't even need to go over the Browns Dolphins game because all that matters is the game next week when they go back and play the Steelers after everything that happened last Thursday. So everybody yeah. is moving and focusing in on this game, and and we, I mean, we know Baker, Odell, I mean, even Landry. Really, they can all be very. Uh, emotional players, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep those in check and, and how that works moving forward. Definitely going to be an interesting game. Might get we should get Njoku back as well. Uh, well, I don't think yeah. he'll be an integral part of the offense in this first game back. He might take some targets away from those guys. Well, and it's in Pittsburgh, so you can imagine the atmosphere is going to be a little rough. And and Pittsburgh, the strength oh, of yeah. their team is definitely their defense. I think it'll be very interesting. It looks like they're tracking toward Mason Rudolph not being the quarterback out there. What will that do? You know, will Pittsburgh get some of their pieces back? It's going to be an interesting game. And I, I still like those Browns players, and they have an incredible second-half schedule, which we've talked about. So those are going to be great assets for you if you've made the playoffs and are going forward. I might have a little bit of hesitation for this week. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. Uh, <laughs> In all honesty, uh, the I think it was Sheldon, yeah, Sheldon Richardson's comments. I'm with him on the fact that uh, he wants Mason Rudolph out there at quarterback because of the way he played against the Browns uh, on on Thursday a week ago. And I'm with him on that. I think uh, Duck Hodges probably gives them a better chance to win. So I'd much rather see Mason Rudolph out there if I'm being honest. Next up, we've got a game that uh, was really good, and and I feel like Carolina unfortunately got the short end of the stick here due to kicking situ uh, their kicking situation. Uh, Joey Sly missing two extra points and then a field goal at the end of the game that probably would have sent this to overtime. Uh, maybe Drew Brees drives him down and scores a touchdown, but I think with the way the game was going, they likely kicked that field goal like they did, and it goes into overtime, thirty four thirty four. But the Panthers lose thirty one thirty four. Kyle Allen has a bounce back game in this one. 23 of 36, 256, three touchdowns in this one. Does that get nine? Does get nine yards rushing? QB seven with 23.1 points. CMC just continues to dominate. 
RB2 with 29.8 points in this one, 64 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown, 69 yards on nine catches and a touchdown in the receiving game. DJ Moore continues to assert himself as a top wide receiver in the league. Comes in at wide receiver three this week with 28.4 points, 126 yards, two touchdowns on six catches. Curtis Samuel just nine yards on one catch, wide receiver 44 with 5.4 points. Uh, did get a pass interference call in the end zone for a touchdown. They were targeting him uh, um, in the end zone a little bit. Two of his four targets came in the end zone, just did not get a touchdown. Uh, and then when Greg Olson popped up back on the sh- uh, on the score sheet here, five catches, 44 yards, comes in at tight end eight with 6.9 points. Uh, moving forward for me, uh, you know, we're, I feel like this is the, the kind of route we're going to take the next couple weeks as we're, we're getting in. Obviously, we've talked about two of the playoffs, week 13. It's, it's time to play the players that you think can help you win. And for me on the Panther side, it's just more. And CMC, as much as I love Curtis Samuel, uh, we just haven't seen enough out of it, out of Allen. I think he's at best a dart throw. So for you out, uh, would you play anyone outside of Moore and CMC? No, I think that's totally right. There was an interesting, uh, super highlight reel on Twitter uh, this week that basically the theme of it was poor Curtis Samuel um, showing all the times yeah, that he I was that. wide open <laughs> and Kyle, Kyle Allen couldn't get it to him. And I think that explains a lot. A lot of people believed in Samuel's talent, thought that he could end up having the better season. I think the change in passer and the fact that Cam Newton was never what we thought Cam Newton might be yeah. has really changed that narrative. Moore seems to be a guy that Allen's more easily able to find. And, of course, he seems to really do well checking it down, which is why we've seen McCaffrey and, at times, uh, Greg Olson. But I think you're in a, in a spot in the season, McCaffrey possibly RB1 every week, more a decent play, uh, nothing else you're going to risk. Yeah, before we move on to the Saints side here, Christian McCaffrey, the no-doubt 1-1 next year in redraft leagues? Definitely. Um, I think so. Although, you know, you would like to see what Carolina is going to do in the off season, but I think Christian McCaffrey will definitely be the consensus number one pick that hasn't always worked out very well. You yeah. know, Barkley was the consensus number one for doing a lot of the same things that we've seen McCaffrey do on a team that's struggling and it hasn't translated into year over year success. But, you know, I think people are going to remember what he's done. And the real shame for him is, I think he really should be the NFL MVP because he's been carrying this team, but the way the Panthers have faded away, I think this loss really knocked them out of the playoff discussion because yeah. of the way the NFC is set up. It looks like the wild card in the NFC is going to have to have at least 10 wins. I just don't see them going five and one or you know, five and one down the stretch here. So actually it'd be five and oh, I don't see them going five and oh down the stretch. So I think they really kind of got knocked out of the playoffs. And I think unfortunately that's going to take an impact on McCaffrey who has been superhuman at times. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, uh, obviously with everything we've seen out of Lamar Jackson, who is having a phenomenal season, he, he's kind of become the MVP front runner. Uh, I'm with you after everything I've seen out of Christian McCaffrey, I feel like it has to go to him, not just, uh, because the Panthers are fading, but I feel like if, if you're a defensive coordinator, your whole goal is to go in and stop Christian McCaffrey because he is the only player that scares you on that offense. And yet nobody has been able to do it. There have been games where he has struggled on the ground or struggled in the air, but then he's come through for you in the other one. I think there's one game, 
I think it was the Bucks in week two or three was the only game that I can remember off the top of my head that Christian McCaffrey had a bad game. Outside of that, he's been lights out every single week. Uh, so I'm with you. I, for me, he is my MVP, but chances are with the Panthers fading off here, he is not going to win it. Another guy I think should be in the MVP discussion just based on what he's doing this year is the wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints and Michael Thomas. He's just continuing to ball out. 10 catches, 101 yards, and one touchdown, continuing that record watch here of most receptions in a year. He comes in at wide receiver 7 with 21.1 points. Drew Brees comes in at QB 6 with 23.4 points, 30 of 39, 311, three touchdowns and one interception. Latavius Murray gets you a touchdown and 64 yards on seven carries if you, for whatever reason, were playing him. He comes in at RB12 with 12.4 points. Uh, Alvin Kamara, RB7 with 14.7 points. So Kamara continues to be uh, scoreless uh, here recently. 11 carries, 54 yards, does add 48 yards on nine catches. Again, to come in at RB7 with 14.7 points. And Jared Cook continues to pop up here in the... Tight end, uh, de- uh, tight end points here. Tight end three, 18.9 points in this one. 99 yards, six catches, and one touchdown. I mean, Kamara, I don't feel like there's anything you can do at this point. He has to, he has to be in your lineup. Obviously, he has, has still kind of produced for you, but is just lacking those touchdowns to really kind of make your, your week for you in fantasy. We know you're starting Thomas, but what about Jared Cook? Again, we'll get continuing on this trend of, do you trust them moving forward? He's had a couple good games now. Are you trusting putting him in that, uh, tight end or in your lineup at tight end? Is he above that Doyle group or is he fall into that Doyle group for you? I think I'd put him above uh, Doyle because you know in that range because it seems like he has a better chance of getting a touchdown because he's in a little bit of a better, more high-scoring offense. Um, he certainly seems to have kind of come up there as the second-best um, receiver. That's not a running back, you know. Obviously, Kamara and Thomas seem to be the top two options. I think. We saw Murray get a little more run early today because Kamara is still dealing with some nagging injuries, and I think that's been a little bit of the problem holding him back this year. We've even seen him miss a couple of games. But I think you're starting Kamara and Thomas, and Cook really probably depends on your options and the matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, he he's moved ahead of that tier as well. Uh, I would probably put him in the tier right behind, uh, you know, the Kittles, Ertz, uh, Man, why do I always forget one of these three? I remember two of them, and I can't remember. Kelsey. Kelsey. Uh, I feel like who? Uh, I mean, Hooper's heard, but I feel like Hooper would definitely be right there with those guys yeah. now. And then Jared Cook, I think, falls in that that second tier there. So uh, Michael Thomas just needs 39 more catches to tie Marvin Harrison's uh, record, 40 to beat it. Uh, we are obviously going into week 13, so roughly four weeks left because I believe they've already had their bye, right? So – They've yep. got four Everybody more games. That'll be so ten catches a game. It's gonna be tight. Uh, I mean, he's been doing about getting about ten catches every single game here recently. Uh, got well, eleven it's targets. Five games left to five do. Five games. It. So gotcha. So just uh, under about eight ish. Yeah, a little bit over eight. I mean, it's still probably. Oh yeah, eight. Yeah. It's probably. It could be tight, but I mean, you know. He could also get like 15 against the Falcons on uh, that's true on Thanksgiving. Well, I think I feel like what we've seen lately. I mean, I wouldn't even say lately. You probably have seen it throughout the year or throughout the history of the NFL. I feel like if he is close to it, 
come those last few weeks, I would not be surprised. Not that they don't force him the ball anyways, because they do. He is by far the best wide receiver in the league right now. But I would not be surprised if they don't start forcing him the ball uh, in the past couple, in the last couple weeks of the season, if he's getting close to the record, just to get him the record. Because I mean, he deserves it. He was on pace to break it last year, and like I said, had it had a huge fall off this year with him doing it with Breeze. Then obviously with a Teddy Bridgewater as well for most of the season has just been remarkable. Marvin Harrison had one of the best of all time, and Peyton Manning and throwing him the ball all season long. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I do hope he gets it again because I love Michael Thomas. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and I've, I've firmly put him as the the wide receiver one moving forward here uh, for us for the next couple of years because he just looks like he, uh, you know, his Twitter handle alone says it all, can't guard Mike, and he does seem unguardable almost every single week that he is out there. Well, and with the way the NFC is going, uh, it doesn't look like the Saints are going to face any challenge uh, for their division. Yeah, um, They pretty well got that locked up, but – you know, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Packers still have pretty solid records. There's going to be a huge push and a fight, to, I think, to the very end to get one of those two bye week slots. And I think yeah. the Saints definitely want that, want to try to get home field. So if you're a fantasy owner, you have to feel encouraged. The best cream of the crop of the NFC is probably all going to have to play their best players throughout the, re- the end of the regular season, which means you probably won't have to worry about uh, missing some guys in oh, crucial yeah. moments. Yeah, I think obviously the uh, the forty not forty forty. My goodness, the forty niners uh, putting that whooping on Green Bay last night really helped actually with that because Green Bay kind of then took a step back and really opens up that second spot. The forty niners are kind of sitting pretty comfortable there. Uh, the Seattle Saints, Green Bay, even the Vikings are now all kind of moving into that picture, uh, but they all have a chance to get that. So I'm I'm with you. They all are probably going to be playing that out now the rest of the season to try and get that second spot where if Green Bay had won last night, I feel like it probably would be most people looking up at Green Bay and San Francisco. You mentioned uh, the Falcons and how Michael Thomas gets to play them and their bad secondary. Well, we saw Chris Godwin kind of take advantage of that bad secondary yesterday and the Buccaneers coming away with a victory 35-23. to Jameis Winston goes uh, let's see here. As QB three on the week with twenty six point three points, goes eighteen to twenty eight, three hundred and thirteen yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Ronald Jones has a little bit of a bounce back game here. RB nine with fourteen point two points, fifty one yards, twelve carries, one touchdown. Uh, does get you. Uh, 16 yards on three catches in the receiving game. Probably uh, felt good for him, I would imagine, sticking that to Dirk Cutter a little bit, who is the offensive coordinator on Atlanta, was the head coach for Tampa Bay last year that kind of gave up on him. As I mentioned, Chris Godwin had himself a day wide receiver one with 33.9 points, 184 yards, two touchdowns on seven catches, which usually means that Mike Evans has a bad day, and he did here. Just 50 yards on four catches, wide receiver 38 with seven points in this one. Uh, it's kind of what you expect, unfortunately, if you own Evans and or Godwin. Sometimes both these guys can have good weeks, but more than likely you're going to see one have a really good week, one have a bad week. You're still playing them every single week. But what about Ronald Jones? He's kind of struggled the past two weeks. Has he moved himself back into possible flex territory for you uh, with them moving forward? I think it really depends on what your other options are because, of course, week 13 is going to feature all 32 teams back in action. All the bye weeks are over. And like we said, most cases it's a must win either to get into the playoffs or really to secure seating. So it really depends on what your options are. Outside of, you know, even Godwin and Evans, there's a little bit of trepidation about how they're going to finish. But this entire Tampa Bay offense is really – 
hard to read, you know, going back and forth. Ronald Jones, how, how differently do we look at his day if he doesn't get into the end zone rushing? You know, 51 yards yeah, rushing. He had 12 carries. Barber had 11 carries. So there's not, even though he's the quote-unquote starter now and is getting the quote-unquote most carries, what does most carries mean? The last couple of weeks, that hasn't meant a ton. He's He maximized his efforts. It was a good matchup for him. Uh, this week, because the Falcons, you know, of course, after two great games, I started to moderately believe in them and stream their defense. So I knew I was <laughs> setting myself up to be crushed. But, you know, three three catches for 16 yards. Their entire passing game outside of those two receivers is real hit or miss. I mean, last week we saw Cameron Brake get like 14 targets and catch 10 passes. He got a single target and no catches yesterday. And O.J. Howard gets two targets and catches a pass. Yeah. You can't really feel confident in that. So, you know, if you don't, if your running back situation is pretty dire, Ronald Jones is allegedly the starter and getting the most, you know, the most touches in that Tampa Bay backfield. What does that mean? And what does it produce? That's a whole other question. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that as someone who's a huge Ronald Jones fan. Uh, the one thing, or the way I would probably put it is, I'm playing the matchups with him and flex position, and I agree with you. With with every with all the buys done now, you know what your roster looks like, so you're playing him against your other flex options, going best matchup. He does have three good matchups here coming up. Uh, obviously, the Jaguars have been run on a lot, so that's not a great matchup, but it's a decent one. Colts is a bad matchup. I would not play him then. But then the Lions and Texans, both teams that, uh, as of late, have been in the bottom five against the run. So I would feel fairly good playing him in those games if you did not have any better options in the flex spot. Obviously, they get the Falcons as well, but most people don't play in Week 17 uh, championships. So, again, three out of four weeks, I, I would feel decent playing him, but that all depends on your roster construction and your other matchups. Matchups moving forward. He's not a lock set flex option, but he does have a couple good matchups. I would feel good playing him again, depending on the, the players you have on the, well, and the real problem too, for the Buccaneers, while they may be able to play pretty even with somebody like the Jaguars. And we know the Colts have played even the real problem for running game for Tampa Bay is if they get behind, they have to throw a lot yeah. and they sort of abandon the run, which wasn't a, superb running game anyway and i think that's like what happened to him the week before so gonna be some you know against a secondary that can't cover facing deandre hopkins and will fuller yeah. that could get out of bounds pretty quick and it won't matter yeah. what the texans rush defense is like yeah, I agree. I think if anybody uh, owns DeAndre Hopkins or Will Fuller, you're hoping you make it to the championship game because that is likely going to be a huge game uh, for you. As someone who owns Hopkins in a couple places, that's what I'm looking forward to is hoping if I can make it to that uh, championship game, I'm at least going to have one really good matchup going for me. On the Falcons side, uh, side here, I'm sorry, Matt Ryan, 23 of 46, 271, no touchdowns and one interception to come in at QB 21 with 10.6 points. We saw Quadri Allison get a bulk of the carries here, uh, or no, one less than Brian Hill, I'm sorry, but does more with them. Eight carries, 20 yards, does get you a touchdown. Brian Hill gets you nine carries, but just 14 yards in this one. Brian Hill, 13 yards on two catches. Allison, just seven on one. 
Uh, the Allison though is the one that comes in for fantasy mostly again because of the touchdown RB nineteen with nine point two points. Calvin Ridley continues to benefit from Oster Hooper's absence here. Eighty five yards on six catches and one touchdown comes in at wide receiver eight with nineteen points. Russell Gage gets you some uh, fantasy points as well. A couple people have been talking about playing him, so if you have, he came through for you. Seventy six yards on eight catches. Julio five catches for sixty eight yards. Gage, wide receiver 20 with 11.6 points. Julio, wide receiver 29 with 9.3 points. As I said, uh, for some of what we saw out of Allison, he looked good against the Buccaneers. Again, the Buccaneers are the second best run defense in the league right now, which is surprising, I know, but as you just mentioned there, their secondary is just god-awful, and that's how teams beat them, but their run defense is very good. Allison looked decent there. Would you trust playing Allison moving forward over uh, over Hill if Freeman is not coming back next week? We still don't know for sure when Freeman is coming back. The first thought was that it would be two weeks, so many would assume he'd be back for this Week 13 matchup. If he is not, would you pick up Allison if you're a Freeman owner and play him? So I think it's a bad matchup, and um, it's a short week. Devontae Freeman did take part in the walkthrough today for the Falcons because, remember, they play Thursday night against the Saints. Um, I don't want any of the running backs. Uh, the Falcons have a lot of questions uh, for a team going into that game because Julio got banged up yesterday, was a non-participant in practice today. Austin Hooper still a non-participant in practice. Uh, it does look like Freeman is tracking to be able to play since he took part in practice today. Um, gotcha. But it's, it's uh, you know, they're, they're running. They have huge offensive line problems, which plagued Matt Ryan all year. You know, Ryan got sacked six times yesterday. Probably part of the reason they lifted him because they were so far behind. I think that's taking an impact on the rushers. Uh, obviously, Hill and Allison haven't done enough in terms of rushing yardage with carries on the ground to feel good about them. They aren't enough a piece of the passing game to feel good about them. What would leaven their performances if you fall into the end zone? Is that going to happen? Is that a great bet against the Saints? Who knows? You know, the last time these two teams played a couple weeks ago, it was a very shocking outcome. Um, still wasn't a great rushing performance by anyone. So I, you know, I wouldn't uh, in a crucial week like that. I wouldn't have much faith in either of them. Even Devontae Freeman playing, yeah. I would lower expectations quite a bit. Yeah, we will definitely break down that game uh, on tomorrow's podcast as as we get ready for the Thursday games. Three, uh, in my opinion, probably three craptastic games uh, for Thanksgiving, unfortunately. I'm not not really excited about any of them. One of the teams that is playing on Thanksgiving this week is the Buffalo Bills, uh, who uh, beat Denver this week 3-20. Brandon Allen here, 10-25, 82 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception to come in at QB 27 with 3.1 points. Phillip Lindsay, RB25 with 7.3 points. 57 yards on 13 carries. Did add one catch for 11 yards. Uh, and Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 63 with 3.2 points. Just one catch on 27 yards. Did get eight targets though, so still by far the best, uh, uh, wide receiver on the team just for whatever reason couldn't get it going. I did not get to see a lot of this game. So, so what happened with the Broncos? Are you still trusting Sutton and Lindsay moving forward? And there was news that came out today that, uh, Vic Fangio said Drew Locke might be on the roster and might be the starter coming this weekend. What do you feel about that? Or how do you feel about that news? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have a guy like Brandon Allen that, 
that rolls out a QBR of 6.0. I don't know how you go away from him. No, I'm just kidding. He was really poor. Um, he looked terrible yesterday, and their entire offense looked uh, terrible. So they're returning home to play the Chargers this week, and that is a team they actually beat in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, probably a match as good a matchup as any. Lindsay's getting a bulk of the carries. I still wish he was more involved in the passing game. Um, Fant, I thought, looked okay at times. Still got five targets. That uh, seems to be involved. Sutton caught that one beautiful pass for 27 yards on the first drive, and then they just weren't able to get him the ball. It was a terrible Denver performance. Uh, not knowing, you know, if Allen plays, I don't know how great you feel about him after seeing the last six quarters of his work because he really faded in the second half in Minnesota, too. If Locke plays, it's a complete unknown, and yeah. it's a guy who did on IR all season. Um, he's only had a couple weeks of practice since he came back. He, you know, for most of the time he's been on IR up up until their bye week, he wasn't even practicing. Yeah. Um, so you know, we haven't seen him take a lot of reps. He wasn't taking first team reps, and they weren't playing their first team players at all in the preseason. So you don't really even get to see chemistry there. Um, I like Sutton's talent. I still think he's a good player. I like Fant's talent. I like Lindsay's talent. This offense may hold them back. You know, if you were yeah. relying on them yesterday, you got kind of a, a bummer of a performance. The Chargers defense doesn't scare you like the Bills defense does, but the quarterback situation is pretty brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Locke out there just as something we've talked about for a couple podcasts now and seeing what you have out of him, although – the Chargers might not be the best game to throw them out there. While their defense is not that scary, that pass rush is. And I could see them kind of getting after Drew Locke quite a lot uh, in that game. But uh, I would love to see him out there, see what he's got. He might be able to help out Sutton and them a little bit. But I do think it's a bounce-back game for them regardless, whether it's Brandon Allen or Locke out there going up against that Chargers defense. On uh, the Bills' side here, Josh Allen goes 15-25, 185, two touchdowns and an interception, gets 56 yards rushing to come in at QB9 with 20 points. Devin Singletary has his first 100 yards rushing as a running back in the NFL. Also comes in at RB14 with 11.9 points. 106 yards on 21 carries. Gets you one catch for 8 yards. Cole Beasley, wide receiver 14, 76 yards, a touchdown on 6 catches. John Brown uh, gets a nice touchdown as well that was actually ruled on the field, I believe, as a touchdown, then overturned, and then ruled a touchdown again on a challenge. Uh, gets 39 yards, touchdown, two catches, wide receiver 21 with 10.9 points in this one. Uh, and then Frank Gore, while he doesn't do much fantasy-wise for he does get 65 yards, 15 carries, does move himself up the rushing list, now third all-time in rushing yards. So congratulations to him, uh, just a consummate pro uh, has been a, a legit uh, player and he had a really nice standing ovation from the Buffalo Phil Buffalo Bills fans as well, which I thought was nice of them, uh, considering most of his career has been played as a Dolphin. But that was a huge milestone for him. Happy for him. Moving forward, though, uh, I still think Devin Singletary is kind of flex value. I, I know that he's had obviously two really bad games. I shouldn't say bad games, but two disappointing games against really good matchups the past couple weeks. Obviously, this week. Not a great matchup against Denver, but does come through for you. So I think he he kind of moves into that flex territory. John Brown, I think, is easily in your lineup every week. But what about Beasley? Has, has Beasley, who's had a couple good performances and a couple bad, then seems to be on that run of good performances again, has he moved into your flex spot moving forward? Or is he one of those guys that kind of falls into the play the matchups uh, with him? 
Yeah, I think he benefited from uh, from a good matchup. They tend to throw uh, teams tend to throw away from Denver safeties and Chris Harris. And Harris was on uh, Brown. If you were watching that uh, touchdown catch that Brown made, you could yeah. see Harris right behind him. Uh, and that was actually live time. They for some reason ruled that incomplete, which I could never figure out why they thought it was incomplete. Yeah. But it, yeah, as soon as they did the replay, you could see. Um, there was a touchdown, uh, and I think so. That I think that benefited Beasley quite a bit. He was playing against Devontae Harris, uh, the other corner for Denver, and just couldn't keep up with him. All right, next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. That was uh, I did not watch. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not gonna watch. I did not watch any of this game. I did go back and watch the highlights, but I was not looking forward to this game to begin with. Uh, so we know Mason Rudolph got benched. We we mentioned that already a little bit earlier. Duck Hodges is the QB of note here. Just goes five of eleven, 118 yards, and a touchdown. To come in at QB 22 with 8.8 points. Benny Snell gets most of the carries here. RB 16, 10.8 points, 98 yards on 21 carries. Does get you one catch on five yards. Really interesting that Jalen Samuels didn't get any play at all here. Uh, wasn't injured as far as I know. He, he was supposed to be out there and doing stuff. Just really did not get any run. Three catches for 26 yards. Six uh, yards on two carries. Comes in at RB 33 with 4.7 points. They actually relied more on uh, their undrafted rookie, Kareth White. Uh, to to be right there with Benny Snell on or not with him on carries he only had six uh, but was by the next best on the list after uh, Benny Snell with six carries James Washington three catches 98 yards and one touchdown to come in at wide receiver 12 with 17.3 points Deion Kane of the the uh, Indianapolis Colts or recently of the Indianapolis Colts one catch for 35 yards Deontay Johnson was back in this one, 29 yards on three catches. We know Juju was out. Don't know if he will be back next week. I would not be surprised if he doesn't sit uh, the rest of the year. Maybe comes back against Cleveland, but I think if they lose, that kind of eliminates them from the playoff race. I would imagine at that point you leave Connor and Juju out the rest of the season, let them heal up and get ready for next year when you got Big Ben coming back. Speaking of Cleveland, we mentioned it earlier. Everybody's looking forward to this matchup after what we saw a couple weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. Rudolph, do you think that he should be benched? And if you do, you think Duck Hodges should come in and play against Cleveland? What do you think this offense could look like with Hodges uh, going up against a Cleveland Browns defense uh, that is missing their best player as well in Miles Garrett? Yeah, I mean, I just think uh, Rudolph hasn't really looked consistent or looked very good. Uh, most of the season so it makes sense to me that Pittsburgh you know they're kind of in that ball of teams at six and five or five and six and they were trying to save their season um, you know even in that game where they they beat the Bengals earlier in the season it was mostly about the power running of Connor and Samuels which is why I was a little surprised uh, that we didn't see anything from Samuels because yeah. he had seemed to eat the Bengals alive last time I feel like he, there's got to be more to that story. Either he did something in practice or it was more injured than they were letting on. The Steelers kind of a mess. Um, yeah. They're just a total mess offensively. They're really relying on their defense to keep them in it and to make plays. I think that's going to be the case for much of the rest of the season. I think even if they make it into the playoffs, they're, they're a really uninspiring playoff team for as much as I like what Minka Fitzpatrick has done. And what some of that defense has done, their offense is just 
they're they're oh, yeah. almost as unwatchable <laughs> as <laughs> they're almost one of the most unwatchable teams offensively. And for fantasy, I honestly, even if those guys come back, I don't know how you feel good. No, yeah, really about anyone in this game. Again, you know this the Steelers Browns game. I think could be pretty physical and could be yeah. pretty pretty brutal watch. I mean, that's the the old AFC North. Uh, you know, that's been kind of the mantra before of some of these division rivals. So, I, you know, Connor is iffy. They're hoping to get Juju Smith-Schuster back. Duck Hodges looks like he at least is trying to throw more vertically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is which resulted in a good one for Washington. But, you know, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I would say if Juju comes back, he's he's a dart throw at best at, at a flex option. I do think Duck Hodges, in my opinion, gives him the better chance to put up fantasy points in that game. But I don't know if he does it again. He'll likely be matched up against Denzel Ward, who, for the most part, since coming back from injury outside of that first game, has actually done a really good job of locking down top wide receivers. Uh, so I would not necessarily trust uh, Juju moving forward. Def, I agree with you. It's going to be if if Pittsburgh makes the playoffs, I think that Mike Tomlin should be coach of the year, no doubt about it, with what he has done with this team uh, because it's just been ridiculous. And on the Jalen Samuels thing, I'm with you. Uh, the funny thing is, we probably won't find out if it was anything that had to deal with off the field or practice stuff because uh, as we have found out this past year, Antonio Brown was doing a whole lot more stuff behind the scenes than we ever realized, <laughs> and they did a really good job of keeping that quiet. So I imagine Tomlin and them will find. A very good or do a good job of keeping whatever was wrong with Jalen Samuels if it wasn't injury related quiet and we won't know about it on the Bengals side Ryan Finley 12 of 26 192 and one touchdown comes in at QB 17 with 12.5 points Joe Mixon 19 uh I'm sorry 18 carries on 79 yards but doesn't get anything in the passing game which was a little confusing to me especially with as as good as he had looked lately in the passing game and then Tyler Boyd wide receiver nine with 17.6 points 101 yards and a touchdown on five catches. Great touchdown catch, by the way. I did see that uh, over Joe Hayden, who's still probably a top 15-ish cornerback in the league. Uh, the way he kind of cut in front of him and then jumped up in the air and used his body to block uh, Hayden was a great play. Uh, for me, moving forward, though, the Bengals, uh, I think the only player I'm trusting is Tyler Boyd. I don't think – I mean, Mixon has definitely looked better. You're probably playing him based on draft capital, but I don't know if you can trust him. What do you think about the Bengals and this uh, just really, in all honesty, horrible offense moving forward? Well, the Bengals did make an interesting announcement today that Andy Dalton has been restored as the starter. Interesting. I think tells you that they're definitely drafting a quarterback. Yes. They're playing the Jets this week at home, so not a... Terrible matchup with Andy Dalton back, and I'm a lot more interested in Boyd and maybe Alex Erickson, maybe Tate if he plays. But again, it's a tough, tough part of the schedule, so it's not a terrible matchup. You know, I would figure that their passing offense will look a little better with Dalton. Finley is just really bad. I mean, I don't know what to say. Just really bad. There's also some speculation now that A.J. Green's going to be reactivated. Um, but maybe that's part of why they're going back to Andy Dalton. AJ Green suddenly feels like his ankle is better now that he sees his friend, the red rifle out there. 
Well, it might be some of them doing just trying to do everything they can to get a win too, which is so I want to ask you about that. So, but why should they be trying to win? Well, because here's here's the one thing we can say: they have firmly locked up the number one pick now with Washington's win this weekend and Miami. Miami sits at two wins, and uh, the the Washington is at two now or three. I can't remember how many wins Washington has. We'll get to them. Okay, so. The whole point, I think, is you don't want to go 0-16 because that is a very bad stigma. As a team, as someone who has watched their team go 0-16, it is not a great feeling. So I think maybe they're trying to go out there and get a win. I don't see it against the Patriots. Maybe against the Browns. They've always, even when the Browns suck, those two have always played really close contests and almost always shootouts as well. But I would say their best chance of getting a win is either going to be this week against the Jets or in three weeks against the Dolphins. I, I really feel like... Yeah. If they get that one win, maybe they go back to Finley because they. I just. I honestly think that looking at it from, especially the Bengals, they're they're one of the you know original teams here. I just feel like they don't want to go zero and sixteen. So in all honesty, I think if they would have gone to Andy Dalton in the game yesterday, they probably could have beaten the Steelers and gotten their win right then yeah. and there. I don't know that you can go back to Finley after putting him in and taking him back out. I and I think. That pretty well answers the question about whether they see him as a long-term. Oh, if you yeah, thought I he know. was your long-term guy, you couldn't do what you're doing, even if you wanted to get a win. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that you can go back, because nothing about those starts would have given him any confidence, and the fact that he's now been yanked again is and, and had Dalton put back is not going to help his confidence, yeah. especially if A.J. Green suddenly heals himself. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a big blow to that kid. So, you know, maybe they are trying to win. I think their pass offense pieces are a lot more interesting during a crucial week with Dalton and, and a Jets matchup than they might have been with Finley staying in. And you're probably right about Mixon. It was weird yesterday to see uh, Gio Bernard seem to be the passing down back again. I thought he had gone into the witness relocation program, but apparently... <laughs> He's done testifying and he's back. And um, that just hurts Mixon all the more because they're not a good rush offense. No, no, not at all. Yeah, what uh, what you were saying about Finley, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you on. I feel like he would have had to be... You know, absolutely, almost what Gardner Minshew did for Jacksonville for them to kind of move off the QB plan. I feel like it's an interesting discussion and... Uh, I'm interested to have this discussion with people in the offseason on what they would do because I don't know if you watch a lot of college football, but what Chase Young has been doing at Ohio State has, has firmly supplanted him as the number one prospect, I think, overall in college football. But I think if the Bengals get the number one pick, they're going Joe Burrow no matter what. I think they're going to go quarterback, as you were saying, uh, even with Chase Young there on the board and get uh, Burrow as their, their franchise QB moving forward, especially with what we've seen out of Finley. Uh, you know, th- these past couple games, uh, for him, he has just not looked good. I think Bengals have really kind of, with moving back to Andy Dalton speaks everything to what you were just saying. They're definitely going QB, and I think it's going to be Burrow with that number one pick in the 2020 draft. I think it's similar to what we saw with Miami. They, uh-huh. they took a chance on Rosen in the offseason to see if they had something. They started with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's clearly not the long-term answer. Yeah. They put Rosen in. They saw all they needed to see. They went back to Fitzpatrick just to make games more interesting, and I think that means, you know, they're a, they're a top pick quarterback as well. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's one of the things I was just talking with someone on Twitter about earlier uh, before we jumped on the podcast was uh, how much I'm looking forward to, to the talk this year because the quarterbacks uh, here, especially with Tua getting hurt and then Justin Herbert, who's a guy that I've been big on out of Oregon, has really kind of struggled this year, uh, has really kind of firmly put Joe Burrow as the number one quarterback and really the only guy that a lot of people are sold on. Yet he's only had one good year of production as well, so that is a little bit of a red flag for Dwayne him. So, Haskins. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you got exactly what you got. Well, the one thing I will say, the difference with those are, well, no, because Joe Burrow was actually a highly recruited uh, high school quarterback as well. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. I can't wait to dive into that in the offseason, but I don't want to get too far ahead mm-hmm. of ourselves. we still got a decent amount of the NFL season here to go, especially for, for fantasy playoffs where we're jumping into the meat of it here in just a little bit. Uh, let's see here. Raiders and Jets. The Raiders, everybody was talking about this being a trap game for them. Uh, with the Chiefs coming up next week, they were in the, the second wild card spot firmly coming into this week. They needed to get a win here. Fell flat on their faces against the Jets. 3-2-35. Derek Carr, QB 26 with 5.2 points in this one. 15-27, 127 yards, one interception. Josh Jacobs struggles mightily in this one as well. Just 34 yards on 10 carries. Jalen Richard gets you the most points, although most of that coming in the receiving game. 47 yards on six catches, just four yards rushing on two carries. Richard, RB23 with 8.1 points. Hunter Renfro was the best wide receiver on the day. 31 yards on three catches. Came out earlier today that he has a punctured lung uh, and broken ribs due to a hit that he took in that one, but does come in at wide receiver 51 with 4.6 points. And Darren Waller, tight end 13 with 5.6 points. 41 yards on three catches. With the Raiders struggling as bad as they did in this one, Carr was horrible, Williams was horrible, Waller was just okay, Uh, obviously Jacobs really bad. Are you trusting any of these guys moving forward into Week 13 if it's a must-win matchup for you? Well, the Chiefs' defense has struggled a little bit, so uh, you know they got that going for them. So uh, probably Jacobs is still going out there, and Waller's in a group of tight ends that you may or may not play depending on your options. Um, but, you know, I thought this was going to be a tough game. I actually had picked the Jets to win in this one. Um, I didn't think they'd blow them out, but I, I thought the Jets would win. The Raiders are a young team. They are not a good road team. They are not a good come-from-behind team. All those things are going to not work in their favor when they are playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like unfortunately this might uh this might be the end of the end of the line for the Raiders this year, but still I think if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be encouraged what you've seen out of them. I feel like they clearly are just a couple pieces away from being a legitimate playoff contender. Uh and what we've seen this year with what John Gruden has really meant to this team, uh, I think that the Raiders, you've got a bright looking future, but I agree with you. I think especially going into Arrowhead this weekend, uh likely going to be a loss is really going to kind of end any chance they have of making the playoffs. On the Jets side, Sam Darnold, QB2, with 28.2 points in this one. A big bounce-back game, although kind of expected with as bad as the Raiders' secondary has been this year. Sam Darnold goes 20-29, 315 yards and two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell, 49 yards on 12 carries, 59 yards on five catches to come in at RB10 with 13.3 points. 
Robbie Anderson finally comes out and and plays as a best uh, one of the best wide receivers in the game. 86 yards and a touchdown on four catches to come in at wide receiver 13 with 16.6 points. And Ryan Griffin just continues to be a top tight end, mostly due to all of the uh, touchdowns that he has been catching here. Did get a contract extension as well this weekend. 13 yards, three catches, and a touchdown. Tight end seven with 8.8 points. Again, I'm going to keep saying it, continuing on the trend. Week 13, must-win matchup. Obviously, you're part, you're putting Bell out there. I honestly think Griffin has moved into that territory. I would almost throw him above the Doyle category and with that Cook category with the amount of touchdowns he's been catching. So for me, Griffin's right there. But what about you, Griffin, Anderson, Darnold even? Are you trusting these guys in a pivotal Week 13 matchup? Yeah, they get the Bengals this week and then the Dolphins next week. So you're still riding, I think, the Jets train. Uh, for a couple of weeks, they seem like they're putting it together. Uh, you would question more that week uh, 15 matchup when they're going to face the Ravens. You know, you maybe cool your heels a little bit on them. But, uh, you know, none of them are you putting out there thinking you're going to have huge numbers. But I think Darnold is a decent uh, option in Superflex and two QB leagues mm-hmm. uh, with those two matchups. Bell is getting volume, not what we expected, but he's still probably an RB2. The real question is the receivers. I agree with you on Ryan Griffin, especially with uh, no competition there, getting a contract extension. They really seem to have something going there. Robbie Anderson, touchdowns in two consecutive weeks, four for 86 this week, really great, but he had been pretty much doing nothing up until that point. And even last week, he caught a six-yard touchdown, but that was his only target. Yeah. It had seemed to be flowing through Crowder, and then all of a sudden now Crowder's kind of the odd man out. Demarius Thomas not really doing anything. They hit a huge play to Braxton Berrios. I still think they're, for the crucial part of the season we're in, their receivers are probably too shaky of a bet. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I say for me, Bell and Griffin are the only two guys. Darnold, maybe. I'm kind of with you. Again, Again, as you just mentioned, going up against the Bengals and the Dolphins, depending on what else you're playing at QB, Darnold may not be a bad play because he has definitely looked a lot better here in the back half of the season. Crazy to think what the Jets might be looking like right now had Sam Darnold not gotten mono because I do feel like this team is just – Obviously looked a lot better here the past couple weeks. Had he maybe been able to get out some of the kinks we saw once he first came back um, out earlier in the season, the Jets might actually be a playoff contender. I know Sam Darnold says they are. I personally think that they are out of it. Next up, two teams that were, I guess in a way, are still vying for playoff contention in, in the NFC. Seattle at 9-2 and two and Philly losing here 17-9, falling to 5-6. and six. Russell Wilson struggles in this one, I think, kind of dropping his MVP candidacy a little bit. 13 to 25, 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Does get 15 yards on the ground and coming at QB 18 with 12.5 points. Rashard Penny has a huge game today, likely on most of everybody's benches. 129 yards, 14 carries, and one touchdown. Two coming at wide, or running back six with 18.9 points. Chris Carson, RB 28 with 6.7 points. Just 26 yards on eight carries, added 31 yards on four catches. Tyler Lockett, just one catch on 38 yards. Not that surprising. He dealt with a pretty serious leg injury beforehand. Was stay, had to stay in the hospital beforehand, came back. Obviously, he was practicing, and, and due to his upside, you had to play him. Uh, but I think this is kind of one of those things you can just shake off for him. DK Metcalf, 35 yards, three catches in this one. Two come in at wide receiver 48 with five points. Uh, 
Lockett was wide receiver 53 with 4.3 points. Uh, you had, uh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, a guy I had never even heard of him, Malik Turner, that came through with a, with a big catch, just one catch, his 33 yard touchdown catch from, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson's not the quarterback. Russell Wilson, Josh Gordon, a guy a lot of people well, had high That one came for. on the, uh, trick play too. Turner's gotcha. touchdown was on a flea flicker. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe that's why I was thinking Chris Carson. Uh, uh, Josh Gordon, though, one catch for 10 yards. So we were hoping for him not quite coming through. What do we do with Chris Carson and, and, and Rashad Penny here moving forward? We've seen Chris Carson has really struggled with fumbles this year. Just the one fumble didn't lose it, uh, but still one fumble again this week. Really, they seem to lean on Rashad Penny. Are we starting to think that this is the shift again? Because we did see this at the back end of last year as well. They really started to lean on Rashad Penny at the end of last year, moving closer to the playoffs. Do you think that's what they're doing here? Maybe just a bad game for Carson. Are you worried about Carson moving forward? I think just a bad game for Carson. And, of course, the Eagles have a pretty decent rush defense. That's what they're kind of known for. So you would have expected all the runners to struggle. I think, you know, Penny, a lot of his damage comes on a 58-yard touchdown where he kind of broke free uh, and did that. Aside from that, he had, what, about uh, 58, 60 yards on on 13 carries. Uh, So, you know, I I think they they seem to have – been committed to Carson for most of the year. It seems weird to think that they would just completely go away from him. I'd need more evidence than this. Gotcha. Seattle, you have to remember too, they beat the 49ers when they played the first time. They have one more game together. Yep. They are one game behind the 49ers. If they remain in that position and they win again, all of a sudden the Seahawks go from a dangerous fifth seed to the number one seed. This is kind of the back and forth that we saw last year in the AFC West with the Chiefs and the Chargers. People yeah. forget that the Chargers were 12 and 4, tied for the best record in the AFC. And it was simply those divisional games with Kansas City that knocked them down into a wild card spot. So, you know, I, you, you say you think it hurt Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy. I think everything he's done this year, including going on the road and winning in Philly, uh, which is a tough place to win. The, the Seahawks are 6-0 on the road this yeah. year. That is simply fantastic. That is true. Uh, a guy that I had high hopes on that possibly being the MVP this year, and Carson Wentz uh, did not have a great day here. 33 of 45, 256 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Two come in at QB 15 with 14.9 points. Miles Sanders, RB 18 with 10.10 points. 12 carries, 63 yards in this one. We obviously saw a little bit of Jay Ajayi as well. Uh, Sanders did add 23 yards on three catches. Ajayi did get six carries for 16 yards. Jay Jaw, their rookie wide receiver out of Stanford, wide receiver 45 with 5.3 points, 43 yards on two catches. Uh, Zach Ertz is uh, the big leader on the day here, finishes as tight end two with 21.1 points, one touchdown, 12 catches, 91 yards. Dallas Goddard also gets uh, 32 yards on seven catches as well. We've seen that these Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver cores just completely beat up. We don't know for sure when Alshon Jeffrey will be back. We saw a lot of Greg Ward Jr. out there. Obviously, J-Jaw as well. Moving forward, Philly. They obviously are still technically in the playoff race and honestly have a very easy schedule going forward. Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, then the Cowboys, Giants again. So I do think if they can win the next three, they will be in playoff contention. That Cowboys game could be pivotal as the Cowboys have already beaten them once this year. 
Who on the Eagles are you trusting? Because I feel like with as beat up as this team is, Miles Sanders may be a flex. Obviously, Zach Ertz is as you're in as your tight end. I honestly feel like Goddard can be played as a tight end every single week as well. Yeah, Ertz or Goddard at tight end. Um, depending on your options, you might consider once at quarterback. Sanders, I don't know. It really is going to depend if Jordan Howard comes back. He seems to be the guy that's getting like the ground and pound work. Uh, you know, I thought it was really a chance the last couple of weeks for Sanders to maybe showcase, maybe show what he could do. And we just, we haven't seen it. Same thing with JJ Arcega Whiteside. If ever there was a week where, where he thought he might emerge as a receiver this year, it should have been this week. They had nothing, you know, Djax is on IR, Jeffrey and Aguilar got ruled out. Uh, and we just, we aren't seeing it. The Eagles are so banged up. I still think week 16 against Dallas is going to decide the NFC East. The NFC East is going to produce one playoff team. It's either yeah. at this point going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles. I think that game is really going to decide it. But Philly, you know, I like Philly, but they, they've been beat up all year and they just have so many injuries that they aren't able to hang with these teams. Yeah, I think they're going to have to get some of these guys back. If Alshon comes back, if Howard comes back, they've got a better shot. But, I mean, the Cowboys, I'm with you. I think that's going to be it because they have three very losable matchups moving forward. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it earlier. They got the Bills this week on Thursday. Then they have the Bears the next Thursday after that. And then the Rams. And uh, all three of those teams, although the Bears probably the least uh, in the race at sitting at five and six. Technically, if they went out the next couple games, could jump back into the race, but the Rams are still technically in it at six and four. Bills are definitely a top wild card spot right now. So, gonna be an interesting, uh, interesting next couple weeks. Again, Eagles really soft schedule, Cowboys tough schedule. That week 16 matchup could be pivotal for both of those teams. The last game that we are going to talk about today, the Detroit Lions losing to the Washington Redskins 16 to 19. On the Lions side, Jeff Driscoll, 20 of 33, 207 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions to come at QB 13 with 15.6 points. Uh, did add 63 yards on the ground. Bo Scarborough continues to be the lead running back here, 98 yards on 18 carries. Does nothing, though, in the receiving game. Does come in at RB 21 with 8.8 .8 points. Kenny Galladay, 61 yards, four catches to come in at wide receiver 32 with 8.1 points. And Marvin Jones, wide receiver 37 with 7.1 points. 46 yards on five catches. Uh, for me on the Lions side here, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Matt Stafford. I think that's going to be the biggest thing here moving forward. We know he's got the, uh, the broken bones in his back. They have not necessarily said that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. There's been talk of that, but they've not made that decision yet. Regardless, if Driscoll or Stafford is out there, uh, I take the back. If, if Stafford is out there, I feel good with Kenny Galladay and Jeff Driscoll, or not Jeff Driscoll, uh, Marvin Jones. If it's Jeff Driscoll, I kind of just believe in Kenny Galladay. Uh, that's just my opinion. What is your take on these, on the Lions guys with really, I guess the, the main guys being Scarborough, Galladay, and Jones moving forward for fantasy? Yeah, Scarborough was okay, but not great. We've seen Detroit struggle running the ball all season. He also lost a fumble, um, so, you know, kind of limits his upside. Driscoll is kind of what he is. The matchup on Thanksgiving Day at home, but it's against the Bears, so it's not a great matchup. I think at this point in time, Stafford's likely to just get sad, you know, 3-7-1. It's a lost season for the Lions. I love Kenny Galladay's talent. What bothers me is he only had four targets yesterday. He caught all of them 
and and helped to make his day. Marvin Jones got 11 targets, has consistently gotten many more targets from Driscoll than Galladay. So I think they're probably still both in play, but you're lowering expectations a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, and then the only reason I think Kenny Galladay for me, especially if Driscoll's out there is the only one that I would trust is just because he is so talented that he, he's one of those players that he can go up and get a touchdown or take something to the house. So so I'm I'm with you on that, though. I'm not I'm not that big on Scarborough. Marvin Jones does scare me. Kenny Galladay's the, uh, the guy for me. On the skin side here, so Dwayne Haskins gets his first win as an NFL quarterback. Uh, doesn't take the victory formation. Everybody talking about the whole selfie gate thing. I don't think that's that big of an issue, but everybody is talking about it. Uh, does go 13 to 29, 156, no touchdowns, one interception. QB 23 with eight points. Darius Geis, 32 yards on 10 carries, does add uh, six yards on one catch. Uh, to come in at RB35 with 4.3 points. Adrian Peterson, RB31 with 5.4 points, also gets 10 carries, but just 27 yards, does get one catch for 22 yards. Terry McLaurin is back, uh, at least this week. Uh, a lot of people have kind of been riding him off with as bad as he had looked with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, does get targeted 12 times, doubles up the next best player, who was uh, Kelvin Harmon, another rookie that came out of NC State last year that I was uh, high on, I think has a lot of upside moving forward. But McLaurin, 72 yards on five catches. Uh, wide receiver, 26 with 9.7 points. Uh, we had already talked about it before with guys. He's kind of a... In Dynasty, a guy that you're hoping looks good throughout the rest of the season, but you're not necessarily trusting. But what about McLaurin? I feel like he's probably the only fantasy viable player on this offense. Are you trusting him with what we saw out of him and Haskins against a decent Detroit secondary? Yeah, I think he's a wide receiver three, but um, definitely in the conversation for playing, he's the only Redskin that I would consider at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I I almost want to say it's kind of uh, kind of the matchups for me with him. Uh, I, I would say if you, hmm, I'm trying to think. Of They're what at would the be. Panthers next week, so that's not great. Then at the Packers, home for the Eagles, uh, home for the Giants. So you know, maybe if you make it to Week 16, you're feeling a little better about yeah. things. But they don't exactly have a great schedule because Panthers and Packers have decent defenses and those are both going to be road games and they will be coming for Haskins. I have not seen a lot of growth from him and I think that's that's an issue. They also have a terrible offensive line. Yes, that is true. And um, Harmon NC State, I think that's what I just said. I can't remember, but just wanted mm-hmm. to get that correct. So that right there will do it for us today. We will be back tomorrow. We will break down the Jags and Titans, which was not a great game. Really, neither was the Cowboys-Patriots. And then the uh, really all three of the games that we're going to talk about at the moment were pretty pretty crappy games. And the Packers 49ers as well. So hoping the Rams-Ravens is a good one tonight. And then we will preview all of the Thanksgiving games as well as uh, we usually do our podcast on Thursdays due to it being Thanksgiving. We are going to take that off. So me and Matt will be back tomorrow when pre view those games as well. Matt, have yourself a great day. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow and enjoy the Monday night football game tonight between the Ravens and the Rams. Yeah, and I think I can confidently say we're both on the same page for tonight. Go Rams. Yes, absolutely. Go Rams. Beat the Ravens' ass. I hope. I shouldn't say anything bad. I don't want Lamar Jackson to get hurt. Dude, the kid is phenomenal, but I do hope they lose. I do hope they lose badly. I will put it that way. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. You got your butt on red. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone. 
for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.